0: The China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. Go to our social media, at The China Current, and our website for interviews, videos, and podcasts. I'm James Chow. Thank you. Last Wednesday, I interviewed Andrea Pastorelli, a friend in Rome who graciously agreed to speak on record about his experience in lockdown in Italy. What I didn't know was that Andrea and his husband, Seth Doan, had that same day been tested for COVID-19. Seth's result returned positive, Andrea negative, but because of their close contact, Andrea has been told he's more likely a false negative. Six CBS News employees were diagnosed with COVID-19 and one of them is CBS News foreign correspondent Seth Doan. There he is. Seth, a CBS correspondent, spoke just now with Gail King on the This Morning show about his illness and being in quarantine. We wish him and Andrea the very best of health. I knew none of this when I sat down and FaceTimed Andrea, so this is our interview after the test, but before the results, a kind of public-private account of an extraordinary country in lockdown, but more simply, two friends who are part of these extraordinary times. You're in Rome, in the capital, and I know that your beautiful home is very, very close to the major landmarks, like the Spanish Steps. We've been seeing pictures of them in international media, Uh, not so many people there, or at the Trevi Fountain, all these places that are so dense with traffic during the most normal of times. How does it feel to be a Roman in Rome during a time of COVID-19? Surreal, absolutely surreal. It looks like a movie set
1: one of those kind of futuristic, you know, future like imagination kind of kind of uh, movies, it's um, it's empty. Um, I w- I've never, in my lifetime, I've never seen uh, these tourist spots um, completely empty. Um, there's a sadness and a, and a sense of uh, despair in, in some way because our economy is, you know, the majority of our economy is based on tourism. Uh, it's based on food, uh, on export, you know, made in Italy products, uh, which you know we're very proud of, and the world usually wants. And now there's, um, it's starting to, we're starting to see some stigma towards uh, Italian products and um, Italian exports. Um, and tourism has been very, very hardly hit. So there's some sadness, uh, but there's also, I have to say, a strange beauty, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in seeing. Rome so uh, pristine and so kind of uh, empty. Um, there's an eeriness in the silence uh, as well, it's, um, everything is very quiet. There's this post going around on social media um, uh, of people trying to be positive in, in, in the emergency saying, isn't silence beautiful? And, and there's this video of a few spots in Rome that are completely quiet, completely silent like they've never been. So I think there's also some, you know, Italians like beauty and and art. And I think there's a little bit of an effort to try and and see the silver lining here and see the beauty in in the
0: quietness. You talk about posts and social media may quickly refer to the post that you put up about 24 hours ago. And I think how many people this is just on your personal Facebook, you had thousands of people who responded to this I mean, you've got thousands of friends so I don't have that but you said this is a post for my family and friends outside of Italy a few minutes ago the whole country was declared a security zone they just announced that we are in a national lockdown as of tomor- tomorrow morning this is historic in recent history no industrialized economy has had to go through something like this do you think that we'll look back on COVID-19 and see it as perhaps a major marker in the post-World War II history of Europe and also the world?
1: Oh, no doubt. I think I have no doubt that we're living extraordinary times and that this is something that, at least for my generation, and your generation, is really our, in a way, it's our big emergency. It's, it's the first real global emergency we have to live through. I mean, I guess we live through 9-11 and, and terrorism, but even terrorism was much more... It was an American problem in many ways. Um, it became global over the years, but but a lot of Europe was kind of didn't see it as their own, you know, problem. This is a global problem. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate in terms of classes, in terms of uh, social status, uh, wealth, uh, you know, races, uh, uh, cultures. It touches everybody, um, and I think that's the first time that we're really um, uh, we're really having to face something like this. I mean, um, an older person. Uh, the other day he told me that she went through, you know, she's 92, and uh, and she was saying, I've been through the war, uh, through the Second World War, and, uh, and it was easier because at least I could go, I could run to the countryside and hide. Uh, here, as an older person, uh, I don't know where to hide. I just need to hide from people overall. So I do think um, I do think it's it's uh, it's an extraordinary time, and we will remember it. Uh, uh, hopefully, we will learn lessons from this. Uh, you know, every pandemic in the history of humankind um, uh, has led to changes. Um, you know, Italy, because I'm speaking to you from Italy. I mean, the Renaissance in some ways was the result of the uh, of the flu of the you know 1350s and 1400s that killed most of europe um, and led to kind of uh, you know the society at the time wanting more wanting a different type of society so so maybe there can be a silver lining here and there can be positive changes out of this
0: you sent me or we sent each other some beautiful images on WhatsApp in the last couple of weeks, way before this unfold in Italy, when the problem was still very much centered in Wuhan, in Hubei, in China, and how the Italian people uh, also rallied to the Chinese people in uh, their very, very desperate time of horror. I think you can describe it. 80,000 people being infected. There were thousands of people dying a day at one point. I just can't ever imagined at that time when we were messaging that a few short weeks later the tables would be turned and that Italy would be experiencing something not necessarily on the same scale but the loss feels the same the human suffering feels the same
1: Yes, and that's that's why I'm saying this is another, in a way, this virus you know divides us because we are told that we cannot, we have to stay one and a half meter away from people, we cannot have social interactions, we cannot you know be in public or be with people. So it's a very it isolates us. But in a way, this virus really unites us because you know as you as what you're saying, I mean, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it was a Chinese problem. Now today is an Italian problem. In a in a week, it will be a German and French problem probably an American problem and it's, it will soon be a global problem and um, and so yes we were very close to the Chinese I was very proud that a lot of Italians um, donated to the relief in China that the Italian government sent uh, reliefs and supplies uh, more than a month ago and I'm proud to tell you today that just this morning uh, our foreign minister um, officialized you know announced that the Chinese government is sending to Italy a number I think three planes um, full of supplies uh, to you know donate back and help italy so they're sending doctors who are on the front line in wuhan and they're sending medical uh, machines especially respirators um, which right now we're in, uh, we're in real need here in italy because they're running out and and masks and uh, and all sorts of other medical supplies so so you know this is a proof that we're all in this together and that when china needs europe we should be there and vice versa
0: that's uh It's very emotional just hearing it. I hadn't known that and it's just uh, emotional knowing that while their outbreak hasn't finished yet, that they reciprocate as well in the same way um, that they received from Italy earlier on. I'm looking also at my phone at the same time. Uh, There's a new understanding because Italy has a very strong public health care system that I wasn't fully aware of before. Someone wrote the other day that it's wrong to say that Italy is in trouble because they have a national health system problem. To be clear, it says they have per 1,000 people, four doctors versus America 2.6, hospital beds per 1000, Italy is 3.2 versus the USA 2.8. And we say the United States because in some ways, the United States is the benchmark, as you know, the world's leading economy. Um, I want to go back to so much of what you said. First of all, China, you know a lot about China, because what some people may not know, watching and listening to this is, of course, that's where we met, you lived there for many years, you were attached to the United Nations, at that time working on a whole range of health and development and peace issues, human rights, stigma, all that comes into play over here. Looking at China then a few weeks ago and looking at China now being a first-hand participant in this crisis in Italy right now, What do you think the Chinese did well that can be adapted and used elsewhere in the world in terms of an effective response? Well, I think, um, first of
1: all, I think China and Italy have one thing which is which probably america as you're saying doesn't have which is strong uh you know of course in china this is developing but it's a strong public health system and a strong idea that the, the 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 health system needs to uh for the majority of it remain in public hands and and uh, and be
0: um uh, you know accessible uh at the need you know when people need it not
1: on the basis of of wealth uh, uh like it is in the u.s um so i think what china did well um is definitely uh, what China can do that most countries cannot do is have a very strong coordination mechanism it said there was a clear line at the beginning from the beginning I mean at the very beginning uh, we saw also that there were some problems with local authorities not reporting the right data not really uh, you know um, talking about how big the problem was and all of that, and that happens in every country. But once the, the emergency became a clear national emergency, there was a clear line of command and there was a clear um, able to co- ability to coordinate nationally and to quarantine. A very, uh, you know, massive number of people in a very short time, and keep the quarantine going. What's the challenge um, now in Italy is that the government has had the courage to uh, to take very drastic measures um, in the last two days. As I said, we're all quarantined at home. We're all told not to leave. The problem is there's no there is there isn't the ability to really enforce this, these measures as much as in China. There isn't the ability to coordinate nationally, regionally, and locally. As well as China was able to do, and so we're all wondering how long will the Italians really listen to this measure? There's also a cultural aspect, as you said, to this. I think Chinese people were uh, from the beginning uh, very willing to listen to these, um, uh, to, to what the government was saying, and very willing to self-quarantine and, and, and abide by these rules. Um, Italians, there's, we've seen some cases of young people, especially, not caring. Uh, there, you know, last night there was. Many images of young people in Italy having aperitivo, drinking, going out drinking, and basically saying we don't care because you know this virus only affects old people. I would, I won't die if I get it, so I don't care. And so they're starting to see, we're starting to see these type of challenges that I think China didn't have to deal with, but I think it's early to tell. I do think overall, um, you know, there's a sense of unity right now, national unity, and trying to do what's best for the country. And I think the majority of people uh, are
0: listening to what they're told. I think the one thing is that China has a very different style of governance. But even for them, locking down over 50 million people was completely unprecedented. And so in a sense, I have a sense of awe and admiration that the Italian people en masse more or less agree to those conditions and more or less, as you said, have unified as a country. And as for the people who say that, is the elderly people more susceptible, which is what the early data does tend to indicate, I feel that every life is valuable, whether they are older or whether they are Younger, let's move on to the stigma. I was quite pained when I heard a couple of days ago when someone said, Well, that's it for Italian restaurants around the world, despite being thousands of miles from northern Italy. They say people are not going to go and eat at them anymore. I know you're going to be very sad, and I thought to myself, How ironic it is that of all the great cuisines in the world, they're the ones that are impacted in this outbreak China, South Korea the Persian cuisine culture, and of course the great Italian culture as well. Um, But in terms of stigma, because you come from the background, a very rich and deep background in HIV and AIDS, do you see any lessons that we can borrow from the AIDS textbook in dealing with community and stigma and apply to what we're seeing evolve right now? Of course, Um,
1: of course I I do. I see a lot of parallels. In some ways what we're living through um few days, it does feel like it's at the beginning, we are at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic in, in the late 80s, early 90s when you know there was a lot of confusion. Nobody knew what what they were supposed to do. and um, nobody knew you know how to protect themselves. And in those, I think sometimes it's confusion and misinformation that fuels stigma. I mean it is a, a it is a human nature to be afraid and so we shouldn't be afraid of fear. What we should be afraid of is misinformation and misguided information and misguided reactions to to what the evidence is. So what the AIDS epidemic shows us is that we have to be always in any situation uh, what the UN would call evidence based so we should base our responses on the evidence and on the data so in most places around the world right now the epidemic is very low the number of cases is very low and that means that people shouldn't be overreacting or being extremely scared or you know completely shutting down their lives in a situation like where i am in the, in the heart of the uh, of the problem we have to take extra precautions, but we have to, you know, what we're fighting is the virus. We're not fighting people who have the virus. You know, they're not our enemy, and if anything, we are all together resisting against the virus. And so we have to remember. We have to remember that um, it's a little. It's a little different from from AIDS. In the sense that AIDS was really a, a perfect storm of everything that people couldn't talk about. It was a, it was sex. It was sexual minorities. Uh, for many years, it was the, it was the, the disease associated to homosexuals and drug addicts. And so it became, you know, it it, it brought with it for many many years a really bad name. Um, in this case, I think from the beginning we saw that this is a. This is a virus that doesn't discriminate, you know, doesn't discriminate on class and, and the social status and religion. And, you know, it, it, it catches everybody and it's very easily spreadable. So I think what we can do is unite. Uh, and it's hard to unite when you're told that you have to you have to stay apart from each other. Um, and the, the, the thing that is most important is that we are responsible not only for our health. This is very similar to HIV this sense but we're responsible for the health of others so mm-hmm. our behavior and how our, our responsibility is not only towards ourselves but if i now start walking around i might catch it i might become a carrier and i may not be sick but i may make, make 10 or 15 people sick and so it's my responsibility not to do
0: that that's what i was thinking about when you're talking about the young people having their aperitifs yesterday that while they think that they are not especially susceptible being younger and Probably healthier, but uh, they expose themselves to the people who mean the most to them: their parents, their grandparents, and other people in their community. I don't usually repeat conspiracies for the very reason that I don't want to uh, give them uh, credence. But uh, one I think that's very important to human rights is that Reuters put out a report uh, saying that some conservative groups in different countries, not just one country, uh, have associated the origins of this virus with the LGBT plus community saying that is linked to them as uh, a way of punishment uh, and i'm sure you're well aware of such theories in the past about any number of things i think this is uh, a terrible a, a very wicked thing to say uh, that goes against uh, any principle of solidarity and humanity at this time
1: it is and uh I'm not shocked. I haven't heard about this, but I'm not shocked when there, you know, any earthquake or natural disaster, it's it's often uh, blamed on some of the minority communities uh, around the world. So, um, again, we need to be, you know, um, rational and uh, and based on the evidence and the evidence, there's plenty of evidence this is, this virus uh, is being now researched by Every single virologist around the world, every single lab is looking at the virus and there's a lot of evidence coming out of, of all the recent studies Come, you know, coming out of America, China, of course, now the US and Europe. And it's clear where the virus is coming from. It's clear that it's connected to, to other virus, similar viruses of the last few years. And that's where we should s- stick to in terms of narrative. I wouldn't go blaming uh, minorities for this.
0: It's coming up to 3 p.m. over in Rome on what looks like a beautiful afternoon, judging by the sunlight pouring through your window. I know it's the middle of a work day for you because you're on a flexible work from home arrangement, as is the entire country. And I can't wait to be back with you in Italy in a better time for everybody around the world when traveling again becomes completely safe. Andrea Pastorelli, thank you so much, Andrea, and good luck. The China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. Go to our social media, at The China Current, and our website for interviews, videos, and podcasts. I'm James Chow. Thank you.